Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? It's March 6th, a Friday edition of List and your boy. Jimmy, we're late. all you got i mean I, i'm not gonna sit here and make a joke about it because i've had it happen to me about 800 times in my life but <laughs> well let me say first uh i forgot that we use a green screen and so i wore a green shirt so wasn't thinking about it and uh camillo reminded me so you're gonna see some distortion <laughs> is what it is i wasn't thinking about it i've had a hell of a week but but that's that you know sean there there are in our original 3 p.m. time slot, Jimmy. Yeah, and I, I had I tried to sneak this in because I'm uh, going out of town uh, early tomorrow morning, so I'm, I'm, I tried to sneak this in and uh, did it for old Sean Ross app because I know how much you love talking to me for an hour on, yeah. tele- on the air here. Yeah. There are three things I hate in life, Sean. Uh-oh. Three things I hate. And I don't, I don't hate really much of anything, but there's three things that I hate. <laughs> what? What? Isn't it true? I'm pretty easygoing. You know that I'm, I'm I'm way more laid back than you, Sean, and you know it's true. Way more laid back Hello, than you. Hello, fellow kids. Yeah. So number one, lack of common sense. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Lack of common sense. Number two, ignorance. And, Sean, don't even get me started on the coronavirus fear-mongering going on. People are fucking morons, all right? So number two is ignorance. And People number- are dying, Jimmy. No, no, no. It's, it, they I don't, are dying. I'm not going to go on a massive tangent, all right? Let me just say this. I'm going to be traveling to Orlando. I had to convince my wife and my in-laws I'm not wearing a freaking air mask on the plane. They don't do anything. Air masks are selling out everywhere because people are ignorant. They don't understand. They're not going to do shit for you. They're ignorant. That shit drives me crazy. And the third thing that drives me crazy is avoidable problems. I despise, despise avoidable problems. And the reason I couldn't do this podcast on Wednesday is because uh, I get a call from my wife. Wednesday afternoon, I have a, a family cat. Sean, you've met my cat before. I have. I have a great picture of your cat with with his head in my uh, custom Nike shoe. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, so he is strictly a house cat. His front paws are declawed. Strictly a house cat. And on Wednesday, I've got contractors at the house doing some work. One of them left the front door wide open, uh, unattended. And so my cat 
took off. And so I get a phone call because he did this once before, and for whatever reason, I'm the only one that he would respond to the first time. I have to go home because I know my daughter is going to lose her shit if she comes home from school and the cat's gone. And so I wasted my whole afternoon walking around the neighborhood. Uh, didn't find him by the time my daughter got home, so she did lose her shit. But I did eventually find him. Uh, yeah, so everything worked out. But I lost my whole afternoon over that. Avoidable problem, Sean. Drives me crazy. Yeah. You seem to have some issues with some contractors and stuff. One of them screwed the internet for a while. Here, I mean, oh, the here. one here at the office, not at not at your house. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I think that might have been Wirecast related somehow, or I don't know. Well, I remember that you you said that <laughs> you had video, you had surveillance of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. issue because we couldn't like our our internet was screwed for weeks and every week. Oh, Kentucky internet, Kentucky internet. <laughs> I was like, I never had these disconnect problems. Yeah, that's right. That was a guy that I think they cut the wire and they said they didn't do anything. And then I had surveillance of them coming in and cutting the wire. Ooh. Yeah, something like that. Ooh, I'd be mad. Yeah, but in this situation, the contractor is actually good, but I, I did tell them to fire that, that worker. Mm -hmm. And they did. They fired that worker. Damn. Yeah, well, to make it even worse, and this is similar to what we just talked about, he denied it. The worker denied it. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I got 30 cameras inside and out. I presented the surveillance footage to the owner of the company. It was clear as day. He left the door unattended for like seven minutes wide open. Huh. So uh, so he got fired. Yeah, that considering the fact that you had – okay, I know a lot of people would be like, oh, my God, Jimmy got somebody fired. Jimmy had a fucking break-in yeah. at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can't say that I, I disagree with that. Uh, I also can't disagree with people sending super chats. Uh, that will get your question or statement read on the air. Tim Traver says, I want to say thanks, Fightful, for giving me the best birthday ever. Happy birthday, my friend. Tim Traver, one of our, our most loyal supporters. I really appreciate it. Uh, also, guys, get the plug out of the way. FightfulSelect.com, that's the most direct way to support us. I've got a lot of stuff up there. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, if it'll be affected by coronavirus where the revival have been, Dan Housen's contract. I've got an interview coming up with him. He is, he's something. Uh, we've got WWE's new German TV deal, which caught some eyes, Jimmy. I saw but, that. But uh, yeah, we, we've got a lot of stuff over at FightfulSelect.com. And I've got even more ROH backstage news this weekend. Yeah, it was interesting. Brock Lesnar signed up for Fightful Select because he wanted to read about the German TV deal. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. So uh, He looked at it, and he said, Shiza. <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah, let's go back hunting. So uh, how was Chicago, man? How was uh, Revolution Weekend for you? I was telling Camille off, off the air, like, it was, I, I love overnights, but, man, it was slammed. I landed at noon. Dave Hancock, good friend of mine, picked me up, drove me to Black Label Pro in Crown Point, Indiana, an hour and 20 minutes away. I got three interviews there. He drove me an hour and 20 minutes back to Chicago because he was going to Revolution 2. Did the four-hour Revolution, did an hour of scrums, got in bed, <laughs> came back. Were you able to get any interviews or anything over there, or there was no time? At AEW, yeah, they don't really set things up for that. They do scrums and stuff like that, so we, we do have the scrums up, which uh, that, that you know that's sort of like a learning process, trying to figure out a way to do those live and put them on YouTube, but I figured it out, so I'm hoping – Maybe if flights go down a little bit, I might go to the Newark show because Tony Khan's doing another one. So I might do that. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I got interviews with Dan Housen, who is going to get signed by somebody. Cody Rhodes even name dropped him the day before. Hmm. Uh, AJ Gray, who has, I mean, he beat Nick Gage for the GCW title, one of the hottest indie wrestlers out there. And Eric Stevens, uh, who is wrapping up his career very soon. Three really good interviews that I got dropping there. Uh, big thanks to Black Label Pro, but I, I liked it. It was my first time in the city of Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah, because I had only been to Schaumburg. Okay, I've been to Chicago before. I had my first ever deep dish pizza in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, Glenn Rubenstein of of a, compet a competing website treated me to a deep dish on my birthday. Last oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Chicago's a good town. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about AEW Revolution now. I'm not going to recap the whole show because Fightful.com has got all of that. 
the show was, you know, it's Friday now. The show was, was almost a week ago. We don't need to recap the whole thing. I just want to talk a couple of things about the show. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about a young lady named, named uh, Meredith Bell. Uh, now, she is the lead singer of a hard rock band out of Philadelphia called Palace Burn. Uh, and back on January 27th, and this is one of these stories, I like stories like this. You know what I mean? Back on <laughs> January 27th, she posted- You do like stories. I do like stories. But this is a cool story. On January 27th, so this girl, Meredith Bell, she's a pro wrestling fan. And on January 27th, she posted a video of her on her Twitter account. And her Twitter account is at Meredith Bell PB. PB being for Palace Burn. She posted a video on her, twi- on, her, on her Twitter of her doing an acapella version of Judas. And for those who aren't AEW fans, I guess, Judas is Fozzie's uh, song, Chris Jericho's entrance song uh, in AEW. And it's the, the wrestling fan base loves it. They all sing along to it whenever he comes out. So she did an acapella version. I asked her for permission to air a clip of it. She was absolutely uh, gracious and, and wanted me to do it. We have a quick clip of it. Put that up, Camilla. I am cold like December snow. I have carved out the soul made of stone. And I will drag you down and sell you out. Embrace by the darkness, I'm losing the light. Encircled by demons, I fight. What have I become now that I've been trained? Everyone I've ever loved, I push them all away. And I have been a slave to the Judas in my mind. Is there something left for me to save in the wreckage of my life? My life, I become, I become, I become a. I become, I become, I become a. Judas in, Judas in my mind. I become, I become, I become a. I become, I become, I become a. Very cool. Yep. Very awesome job there. And so two days after she posted that video on Twitter, Chris Jericho personally reached out to her and said to her, do you think you could put a choir together? Uh, And obviously she did. Uh, She had friends in Philadelphia in that scene, was able to put a choir together, uh, ended up doing a live musical ring entrance for Chris Jericho at Revolution. And I thought she did a fantastic job. And I even I talked to her a little bit. Uh, and I told her straight up, Jericho's had some some big matches and some big moments. That might have been the best ring entrance of his career. Yeah. Of, of all 30 years that he's been doing this, that might have been his best ring entrance. And uh, I thought it was a great job. And so, yeah, I, I reached out to her. I got the story, and I wanted to air that little clip because I thought it was cool how it came together. She's working on doing one for Edge now. And you know that WWE is not going to copycat anybody. Yeah. But wouldn't yeah. it be cool – if Edge used a little bit of stroke and said, come on, come on, WrestleMania, yeah. come on. So it, it's funny, like, man, she's she's putting a lot of people who say, oh, I, I can't get that done to shame because, like, sometimes it's tough for me to get a graphic together. He said, can you get a choir together? Yes, he did. <laughs> hey, can, can you get a choir together? I know you're in Philadelphia and we're in Chicago. Can you get a choir together? That's I, I, awesome. I, I think he probably knew she was in the music scene because she's in a band, you know? Yeah. But well, uh, I, I like stuff like this getting recognized because I'll be quite honest with you. I don't like the way that WWE does it sometimes. When Nakamura's theme blew – okay, when Nakamura had his theme subconscious in New Japan, there was an awesome violinist there named Kei Suzuki who did a violin cover, and it went viral. Then that motivated WWE to do a violin theme for him when he passed on the glorious one. Mm-hmm. So they took her idea, had somebody else do it, have had a bunch of performances for it, and never had her do it. Because she also released her cover of uh, uh, Nakamura's violin theme. Her name is Kay Suzuki. But she's like, they, they just ignore her. Like, they, they don't seem to reward people who go above and beyond and do stuff like that. So I'm glad AEW is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously Jericho was the catalyst and, and I'd like to think that if it's a performer of his, at his level in WWE, they'd be able to get that done. Probably again, I don't know if WWE would want the girl that just did a song at the competing pay-per-view to do one at WrestleMania, but at the same time, you never know if it's, she can do a good job and you never know if edge was to say, look at this. I want this. 
And because of the the, the stroke that Edge has, you never know. But, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, William Rabb just sent a super chat and said WWE just announced Edge's return for Monday. Cool. Yeah, I, that was expected to me because the yeah. Elimination Chamber will get out of the way and then they can focus on the Mania build. So that makes sense. Now, yeah. I want to talk about Cody Rhodes. Uh, first and foremost, boy, he's getting a lot of heat for that tattoo. And we got a picture of it. You have the tattoo oh of Cody Rhodes. Look at that. Boy, oh boy. I, uh, I thought it was very interesting that uh, Brandy, his wife, very honestly at the scrum said she hates it. And I showed that to my wife, and my wife looked at me and was basically saying, don't even think about it. Yeah. It, Somebody uh, asked me on the Q&A how many subscribers it would take for me to get a neck tattoo. And I said, well, that would require seven figures in my pocket, <laughs> just straight up, because I ain't doing that. It's not, it's not a good tattoo, but, but one thing I want to say about Cody Rhodes, and this is besides the tattoo, uh, and I don't want to be too critical of him because he's done a good job, I think, in terms of at least being a talent. I'm not sold on him yet as an executive, but at least being a talent, he's had a pretty good run the last few years. I was very disappointed with his performance at uh, Revolution. I thought that he was one of the worst performances on the show. Uh, I feel like he is learning on the job. Just how he's learning on the job to be an executive, I feel like he's learning on the job how to be a top guy in the ring because he was never a top guy. And it's funny how a lot of people, they get confused and say, he was in WWE. He was never a top guy in WWE. It's a completely different thing. Uh, I think he could have been. I always, um, I thought sure. he could have been. I thought he could have been when I saw him as Dash and Cody Rhodes. I was sure. like, yeah. He could have been, but he wasn't. And what disappointed me about that match watching it was he – Think about what he went through to get that match. You know what I mean? He took 10 lashes live in the ring. He had, you know, his, his brother gets beat up by these guys, and, and, and uh, then he has to have the cage match with Wardlow. He gets the title match with Jericho. It's cost him because MJF threw in the towel. So much shit that he went through, and he went in there and treated it like a, wrestling, a regular pro wrestling match. And I watched that, and I thought to myself, he's completely missed the boat psychologically. He doesn't yeah, understand. When- and that's the thing. Previously, psychologically, I thought he had done so well. But when I saw that that lateral press pinfall about two minutes in, yes, I was like, uh, now I get it. Him beating MJF would be very satisfying as well. I would. And, and the thing is, Cody is, has been exceptional about explaining things. I would love to see that explanation that we don't always get out of WWE. Granted, they've been a lot better about it of late, mm. but I, I would like to see that explanation. Like, why Why did you go for a pin, like, a few minutes in? W- was it because you thought it, uh, that would embarrass MJF more than getting his ass kicked? What What did you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there was no intensity. There was no rage. Uh, and to me, the only thing that I could compare it to was Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage from WrestleMania three where Ricky Steamboat had his you know, throat supposedly crushed, and he went in and treated it like a wrestling match. But the difference was, it was for the Intercontinental title. And so the difference was, that Steamboat's mind psychologically was, I'm going to hurt him by taking his title. There was no title on the line in, with Cody Rhodes and MGF. You were in there because it was a heated grudge match, and he treated it like a regular pro wrestling match. I thought he completely missed the boat. Uh, and so I was very disappointed by his performance. And I, I watched that, and I thought to myself, he's got a lot to learn. He's not there yet as a top guy. He's got a lot to learn yet. But to his credit, though, he's over. You know what I mean? And, like, he got a standing O. Uh, I don't know where they were for Evolution, for uh, Dynamite this week, but he got a standing O there. He's over, but he's, he's, just, he's not there yet in terms of being a top guy. I think he's there. I think he's the best baby face in the world. Uh, in the ring, I mean, there will be hiccups for anybody. But I thought it was good. I thought the match was good. It felt like half as long as it actually was. And I think that that's pretty good. But... Man, it's tough to come out of that show and talk about much anything besides that tag match or that that title change, and that's a good thing. I thought it was a home run pay per view. I genuinely enjoy going to AEW pay per views, and the thing is, all due respect to performers and stuff, most stuff I'd just rather watch at home because I can be around my wife. I I don't have to mm-hmm. spend money on food. I don't have to travel. I like going to AEW pay-per-views. It's fun to be there. They also treat you well, too, though. I mean, kind of. People, I had so many dipshits that were like, did did they give you food in Cleveland? (laughs) I remember, I remember. No, actually, I bought my own absolutely dog shit nachos there. (laughs) They did not give me food. Uh, But, I mean, mean, it's all right. They they provide us comp, one comp ticket, and that's it. I mean, we go to a scrum. Like, there's... I've, I've, I've been in better situations, but I've been in a lot worse, too. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I respect how uh, accessible Tony Khan is. I respect that. You're never going to see that out of Vince McMahon. You've never seen that out of Vince McMahon, and you will never see that out of Vince McMahon. Uh, and even Triple H, I mean, for the most part, he does the phone calls. I don't know if you're going to yeah. see too many live media scrums like that with him. But uh, So I respect it out of Tony Khan. Now, I'm going to talk about something that's going to shock me as much as it's going to shock you, Sean. Okay. I am going to give props to Orange Cassidy. Yeah. And I cannot believe that I'm going to give props to Orange Cassidy because if you're a regular viewer of this podcast, you know how stupid I think his gimmick is. But here's why I'm going to give props to Orange Cassidy. I've never been a fan of the lazy gimmick that he does. I think it's stupid. I think it contradicts what being an elite talent in a live you know, nationwide television promotion is supposed to be. I hate it. But, but for the first time at Revolution, uh, I saw how that gimmick can be utilized as a front. And so I loved his match with Pac. I loved it. Uh, it really came off to me for the first time like he just lulls you into a false sense of security with his bullshit gimmick. And then once he kind of lowers your guard, then the talent comes out and then he blows, blows through you. And so I loved it. Now, that doesn't excuse the fact that in a lot of other shows he's done this bullshit and no one has you know, really taken his head off aside from a shot here or there. But in this match on this night, I liked it. It made sense to me on this night. Pac did lower his guard and didn't treat him seriously, and then uh, and then you know the the talent came out. I got to put him over. I liked it on this night, Sean. I did too. And from the moment Pac and Orange Cassidy was announced, I was like, man, that's that's a that's a marquee matchup for them too. That is the definition of an undercard match that will draw, that will get people excited. And I, I can tell you at the venue. Orange Cassidy's Chicago merchandise sold out before the show started. What did there he have? T-shirts or something? He had or? like a like a T-shirt. Yeah, not a shred left by the time showtime started. That's awesome. That's promising. And Pack is the ultimate, ultimate foil for Orange Cassidy and vice versa. When Orange Cassidy rolled from one end of the ring to the other, then he came back and Pack was there waiting for him, and he just rolls right back into the ring. Oh, that was so good. And Pat getting the win was good. Yeah. Orange Cassidy looked better. Oh, yeah. But you, see, but you see that he can do it. And as a result, best friends look good. They got to further their storyline. I thought this was, again, and, and I love it when wrestling does this, a segment where six people got over. Lucha Brothers got more over because everybody hated them for getting involved in the Orange Cassidy thing. Best friends got involved because they were associated with him. And then OC and uh, Pac did too. I thought that was that was awesome. Yep, I thought it was really good. And then I want to say one thing about John Moxley. Uh, now the guy's over. He was the right guy to win the title. I don't know if this was the time. I feel like Jericho still had you know time left as the first champion. But uh, Moxley's over. He's kind of like they're Stone Cold now. He's even got a skull on his shirt and everything. But. That promo that he cut afterwards, and I realized that it was after a, a lengthy match, and I understand yeah. that he was just kind of talking off the cuff and rambling. It reminded me of that Stone Cold podcast, and I thought to myself, this guy's a bit of a rambling mess, and I'm going to be very curious to see how his run goes. Well, he's, he had a concussion, I'm sure. Did he have a concussion? Did you not see the split on his head? Yeah, oh but I, well, I did, but wasn't, wasn't well, he that? Even, he even said at the post show, he's like, I'm probably a bit concussed right now. That wasn't I mean, he, that wasn't a, that wasn't a blade job. Dude, he was split wide open. Oh, I just right saw above I, his eye. I saw one here. I saw one by the patch there. Oh boy, no, he was split open. Bad. Hardway. Like oh, I don't know if it was Hardway. It doesn't really okay. matter. He was split open big there. Like something happened to the man there. It was right above his eyebrow. It was. Oh, filthy. I, I thought it was a blade job. I didn't think that he got hit hard in the head. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a blade job or not, but the man was split open bad, and yeah. it did not look like a blade job to me. I could mm. be wrong, but yeah, that looked tough. Well, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how he does long-term as champion because I feel like when you put a live mic in his hand, you don't know what you're going to get. He's a bit of a rambling, gibberish, bullshit kind of guy, and uh, I'm curious to huh. see. I mean, he's over, but with a live mic... You know, WWE is afraid to give Brock a live mic because I think he's going to swear. I think AEW might want to think twice about Moxley. I don't think that's why they're scared to give him a live mic. Oh, I do. Absolutely. I, I don't. I've, I've never even I've never heard anything like that. I just think they think Paul cuts a better promo. But 
We do have some more super chats. Frank says, I never get to see you guys live, but I'm watching here on vacation while my wife takes forever to get ready. Have a good rest of your show. You're about to go on vacation, aren't you, Jimmy? I don't know if I call it vacation. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I'm going to Orlando because my in-laws live there. Going to Florida. I don't know if I'd call Orlando a vacation, he says. Orlando's not the greatest town, plus I'm staying with my in-laws. So it's it's I'm going because my wife wants to get away from March break. But we're gonna have uh, my wife's family is gonna house it for us, uh-huh. and uh, and wash the cat and everything. But uh, I'm only going for a few days, and I'm coming home. Okay. So I look Rob, at it, look at it like I pay my dues for a few days, and I get some time off. Rob has a or we have a few more super chats. He says for Jimmy, if you were to make a guess, why is WWE so lazy right now? Rematch after rematch. As much as I hate the Bray title change, but I get it. Vince McMahon. That's my answer. I can answer there for you in two words. And then Rob says, just to add, storylines for the most part are garbage. Is that on Vince too? Yes. I think so too. I mean, I think it's one thing for Heyman to pitch ideas and Pritchard to pitch ideas, but we know who uh, approves it. So Joe, Joe Shaver says, haven't watched Raw or SmackDown since a week after the Rumble, but your coverage is great. Hope I can contribute to another mixtape if needed. A-Train rocks. Yeah. Uh, any any songs that you guys have, I'll put together. I actually had a guy in Toronto who did our intro uh, for our, our interviews. As a gift, he came up and gave me a hard copy Fightful mixtape with an album sleeve and stuff. It was very cool, one of my favorite things. Uh, but yeah, but I'll tell you something else we put together, Jimmy. Shocking facts about the Elimination Chamber. Instead of, uh, of an interview, I wanted to give you all a preview of this. Go click that. I know it's not getting in front of some of you all. So I'm forcing it. I'm <laughs> forcing it. Here's It's WWE Elimination Chamber time. You know, the time of the year where like five people usually get title shots. One month after one person had to go through 29 people to get one. Yeah, that time. If you saw our Royal Rumble video last month, We had some interesting news and numbers and notes, and now we're back for more. I'm Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com, and these are shocking facts from the Elimination Chamber, or whatever term does better for us in SEO. Heading into 2020, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view seems firmly planted between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Naturally, this show was used to help build WrestleMania, but as of now, 17 Elimination Chamber matches have happened between the Rumble and Mania, and only five of them have been to determine a top contender for WrestleMania. Triple H isn't just the King of Kings, he's the King of the Elimination Chamber match as well. He's not won one in over a decade or even been in one since 2010, but he's still got the most victories ever in the Chamber at four. In fact, Triple H won half of the first eight matches, even though he was only in five of those, meaning he went four for five. John Cena has won three. Daniel Bryan and Edge have both won two, making them the only people to win multiple Elimination Chamber matches. Even though the Elimination Chamber is designed to be a war of attrition, only one match has actually went longer than 40 minutes. The 2018 main event was unique in that it lasted 40 minutes, 14 seconds, and nobody was even eliminated until all the participants were in. Then, Braun Strowman would eliminate the entire field, except for Roman Reigns, who ended up beating him. The opposite of that war of attrition would be the 2003 Elimination Chamber match, just the second in history, but the only one that didn't go at least 23 minutes, 45 seconds. In fact, this one didn't even go 20 minutes. It only lasted 19 minutes, 12 seconds, the shortest in Elimination Chamber history, and less than half of the length of that aforementioned 2018 Elimination Chamber match. Check out the full video. Just type in shocking facts. We have one for the Royal Rumble as well. Hey, guys, go go clickety-clack on those, and we'll do some more of them. Okay? <laughs> Let's talk about the state of WWE creative. 
<laughs> now, uh, <laughs> do we have to? Well, let me say say again, just like with Revolution, I'm not going to do a review of Super Showdown because it was a week ago and Fightful.com's got the whole thing, so I don't need to do it. Sure. Uh, but I want to. I want to not, not to cut you off, but I'll say this. Re- I want to say, relatively speaking, compared to what we do, yeah. when I isolate these epic triggered rants, they yep. do. Numbers. They do numbers. And the thing is, I don't set out to go, oh, I'm going to rant on something. Yeah. And I haven't in a while. I've been pretty pretty calm about things. But WWE brought the demons out of me, Jimmy. <laughs> I mean, I just want to speak the truth. That's all. If, yeah. you, if you look at Super Showdown, they put three guys over more than anybody else on that show. Ages 54, and he's going to be 55 in three weeks. That's The Undertaker. 42 and 53, and they put the three of them over in squash fashion. And I think back to whatever it was, 20, 30 years ago, the new generation, and, you know, they did the videos of uh, where Hogan was supposed to be, a, you know, an old relic now and Nacho Man and stuff and making fun of the older guys in WCW. And now they're putting guys over that are older than those, those guys were then. And and Significantly. so, yeah, so now I want to start, you know, because it's kind of a, a, you know, some were worse than others. So first, when you look at The Undertaker, I can live with the fact that he was a surprise entrant in the gauntlet. I can live with that. I can live with the fact that he beat AJ Styles. What I hated was that he beat AJ Styles with one choke slam when AJ Styles was fresh as a daisy. That's what I hated. I would have been okay with it if AJ Styles had just wrestled for 40 minutes in the gauntlet. And he's winded and, and everything, and then Taker takes advantage, chokeslam, pin. AJ was fresh as a daisy yeah. because he basically went out there. Truth was beaten, so he basically just went out there, took care of Truth. He's not even sweating at that point. And then he takes one chokeslam and gets pinned. Hated the way they executed it. A lot of it came down to execution for me. Uh, and that was a problem. Taker did not look good, Sean. He didn't even take nope. his gear off. Uh, he had his shirt on underneath his jacket. Didn't even take his hat. Yeah, he didn't look good, and I and it really looked like a burial of AJ Styles, and and I didn't like that. Then you look at Brock and Ricochet. I was looking forward to this match. I thought Brock's great with smaller guys. He was great with Finn Balor. He was great with Daniel Bryan. He was great with Rey Mysterio. He's great with small guys. Ricochet's going to get in there. He's going to do some hope spots. Ricochet is the most athletic of all those guys. So he's going to bounce around, and he's going to stick and move and whatever. Runs at Brock like a moron. Gets swatted away like a fly. German suplexes, F5 pin. I watched that, and I thought, what the hell was that? I didn't no. have a problem with that as much as I had with the Riddick Moss loss on Monday. And I and I, I agree. The Riddick Moss one was in – I was going to get to that later on, and I, I agree with you. But that was your chance to get those hope spots in and get the crowd cooking a little bit. Because Brock is cool with, like, you know, the stick and move stuff and, and selling. Yeah. And, you know, maybe after a bunch of shots, Ricochet is able to get him down and go up and hit, the, you know, the, the 450 or whatever. I, just nothing. And, and I, I, I was scratching my head saying, I just don't get it. Goldberg. I will say this. A lot of people are crapping on Bill Goldberg, and I will say that Bill Goldberg, I think, is doing a very poor job of handling criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Goldberg, I think he's probably just, he's, he's very, uh, he's got a, a bit of a complex. He doesn't take criticism well. Uh, I thought he, he, he was an asshole with Macaulay Culkin on Twitter saying, I'm going to cancel my mania tickets, and Goldberg, like, called him a dork. Goldberg takes himself way too seriously, doesn't handle criticism, but... A lot of people say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
after Super Showdown, they were crapping hard all over Goldberg. I even had people, Sean, if you can believe it, I had people on Twitter that would say to me, why did he take the match? Why did Goldberg do the match? And I responded and I said, he got $2 million for one match. He's got a family. Anybody in his position would have done the exact same thing. If you want to blame somebody, you got to blame the guy that signs the checks. That's who you got to blame. But, I mean, you you also do bring up the fact that people need to stand up for the, the not just their own creativity, but the, the direction of the company. Like, And yes. WWE has been leaning way too heavy on the old people. I mean, yes. they got Austin coming in, NWO. They had Hogan via satellite. Cena coming in, whatever. Cena's still relevant. relative. And people comparing Goldberg to Cena, you got to get out of my fucking life, bro. They are nowhere near the same thing. Who did that? Who did All that? All kinds of people. Oh, really? John Cena is an active heavily booked movie star Goldberg is an in shape 53 year old who fixes up cars and does does a, an occasional episode of a show that gets canceled in two months oh Goldberg's hot rod on Spike TV cool that'll last <laughs> two months we, we've seen it a million times I, I had somebody from NXT even saying it's really sad that he's addressing Macaulay Culkin more than Matt Riddle I, I just look at it, and again, because we've talked about Goldberg before, and I don't know the guy personally. I only know what I see, but he does come off like he takes himself too seriously, and he doesn't handle criticism well. I will say that uh, I, I, I applauded his uh, the way he handled the booze on SmackDown in Boston because that was yet another situation where I don't think Vince McMahon uh, recognized his audience because this is a long-time problem with Vince McMahon. I don't think Vince McMahon recognized you're going into Boston. He just beat the hottest act in six months in your company. He's going to get shit on hard. And I don't know if Vince recognized it, and he did get shit on hard, but at least to Goldberg's credit, he laughed it off and smiled. And, you know, we saw Ronda Rousey didn't handle it well, uh, and at least in that moment Goldberg did, but... I don't think he's handled it well, but again, I don't think you can really blame the guy. Someone's going to give him a massive payday for one night's work. Anybody's going to take that. And, and the fact that I actually had people on social media, one guy said to me, does he need the money? Why would he do it? Who's not going to do it? You know yeah, what I mean? for that amount of money, sure. Sure, yeah. like anybody's going to do it. Well, and again, my, so, Go ahead, sorry. No, I, I was going to say, and, and you kind of referenced this, and we've talked about this before, some of this to me is on Bray Wyatt. And we talked about this before with Roman Reigns as an example. The wrestlers know the landscape. They know that talent is sought after. They know WWE wants to lock everybody down because they don't want them going to the competition. Bray Wyatt now was a top guy. He was the universal champion. I think it was on Bray Wyatt to say, I'm not doing it. It doesn't make sense for my character. It's not good for the company. I'm not doing it. And I think part of the problem, again, is that too many of the, the members of the talent roster, they're just kind of content with their spot. They're making good money. They're kind of happy to be there. And they're not pushing enough. And when you look at the guys from 20 years ago and how great the product was 20 years ago, it's because you had a roster of competitive cutthroat guys that did things oftentimes for themselves, right or wrong, but it made the product better. And too many guys are afraid to do that. If I was Bray Wyatt knowing the landscape and they said, you're going to lose in two minutes to Bill Goldberg off one jackhammer, I would have said, I'm not doing it. It doesn't make sense. It's a lot. It's a much different environment now, too, with social media and people that, I mean, quite frankly, I don't know if I'd be able to do the job that I do right now 20 20 years ago. I, I don't like dial up people on the phone. People don't call me. They DM me or text me, stuff that wasn't available then. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's an accident that WWE is starting to romanticize both the FCW era and the Ruthless Aggression era because right. they're running out. Right. Look at the way things are right now, Jimmy. Shawn Michaels ain't coming back. He came back for the Saudi payday. Mm. The Rock says he's retired. Mm. Ronda Rousey doesn't seem interested in coming back. Uh, you got a whole lot of people that just aren't uh, – Triple H doesn't look like he's working this year. Yeah, Undertaker doesn't look like he can work much longer. Goldberg can't work more than two or three minutes without shitting the bed, and even does that when he when he does. I it seems so dumb to me because I, I put it out there that Goldberg versus versus Reigns does not need that title for a number of reasons. I One, agree. I agree. If you have to book around your baby face getting booed, he ain't a baby face. That ain't him. If your idea to get a guy cheered is, well, we're going to book another babyface that people are going to dislike more because he doesn't really deserve it, 
then that original guy ain't a babyface. And I've been saying over and over again, Fiend versus Cena makes more sense with the title yes. because Fiend wants his revenge for that Mania match. John Cena wants number 17. Yes. Then I have people say, well, the Fiend didn't need the belt either. No shit, Sherlock. Go watch me and Jimmy talk <laughs> yeah. about it at nauseum in September. Yep. They booked themselves into a corner. I'm positive. One of the thumbnails that you made, Jimmy, said did WWE book themselves into a corner. you goddamn right they did. Yeah. All they had to do was say, hey, we jumped the gun. We aren't really going to run this match with, with The Fiend in, in a title match because we advertised it. We got something else. No, The Fiend didn't need it. But I'll tell you what he needed a lot less than the title. Getting beaten by a 53-year-old guy who cannot work more than two minutes, who will not respond to even younger talent who is trying to make a name for themselves. He won't give Matt Riddle the time of day. He treats him like he's a minor leaguer when he's on cable fucking TV with a title belt around his waist. That's counterproductive too. That's stupid too. That shows an utter disrespect for what's there. If, if he were to address Matt Riddle and say, oh yeah, but that's one thing. But he's like, who, who? And that's, <laughs> here's the thing. Is that that's your Goldberg the, impression? Yeah. Go over impression? Do you remember why Sting said he wouldn't come to WWE for so long? Yeah, he was afraid they were going to fuck up his character. And because he saw The Rock approach Booker T on TV and go, who are you? Like that. And he said, when I saw that, I decided I wasn't going there. Mm -hmm. Sting, mm -hmm. a very wise guy mm -hmm. who then sat there and made half a million dollars for working a few dates a year after that for a long time. This was such a dumb ass idea and all these people that are in my mentions very few but it seems like all these people that are like well you know what he can get over a lot more in four minutes than a lot of other people did no shit it's a script <laughs> it's fake it is not real they can book a lot of other people to be dominant they could book Shayna Baszler to not go out there and have long matches that might bore you to death she goes out there she drops you on your head she taps you out that's a wrap Matt Riddle comes out. He liver kicks you. You look like you shit your pants. You fall <laughs> over. That's a wrap. They don't do that because they can with Goldberg. They do that because they have to with Goldberg. I mean, at WCW, it worked. It and, did but, work. But it now, did work. yeah, now the age that he's at, he has to do that now. Well, and know? he had to do it back then, unless yeah. he was in there with DDP or Scott Steiner or right. Stick, somebody like that. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Accentuate the positive, hide the negative. Yep. But accentuating the positive, sure as shit, is not Bill Goldberg as champion. Yeah, and you I know, am definitely not getting approved for WrestleMania credentials. <laughs> what is what's one of my favorite sayings, Sean? That I always say when you're going to post something on Twitter. I always say, "What's the do benefit?" Do it, don't think. Yeah, do it, don't think. Yeah, no, I, I always say, "What's the benefit?" I would love to be able to get some idea from Vince McMahon. The Fiend was the hottest act you had in the last six months. He was your number one merch seller. You were creating all this merch because it was flying off the shelves. What's the benefit to having him get beat in two minutes by a 53-year-old part-timer? I don't understand. There is no benefit to me. And I, I know a lot of people are saying, well, it's because Roman and Goldberg is a bigger match. But you just said it. It doesn't need a title, Roman and Goldberg. No. That's I a marquee match between two stars former era current era doesn't need a title and for the reasons that you said the title would make sense with the fiend and john cena so i i just don't understand it and you know i want to talk for a second go ahead sorry hear me out i am somehow less interested in reigns and goldberg with the title than without the reason being you know 100 percent reigns is winning that match yes you know it without the title it's probably about 70%. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, not a good one, WWE is so fucking inept at their booking decisions that I feel like they might actually have Goldberg beat Roman Reigns if there's not a title on the line. Like, So it somehow decreases that doubt that I... Oh, my God. Yeah, so the predictability, stupid. yeah. Yeah, it's so stupid. Well, I want to talk about the supposed rise and fall of The Fiend. Uh, because a lot of people, so I, I've in the past, I've said that the fiend could have been this era's undertaker. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people have, have said that, no, 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 no. He was going to have a short shelf life from the start and, and all of that. This is how I kind of look at it. 
obviously it's a different time in the business, obviously. And back in Taker's day, you know, they didn't have weekly live television back then. They only had syndication an hour a week in the middle of the day. Uh, he was working enhancement matches early on because that's how TV was then. Now it's different. You got two hours live a week. They're competitive matches. It's different. However, that does not excuse the fact that The Fiend's second ever televised match. I'm not talking about Bray Wyatt. I'm talking about The Fiend. His second ever televised match was against Seth Rollins for the Universal title in Hell in a Cell. They did not take The Undertaker in his second ever televised match and put him in with Hogan. All right? Now, they did put him in with Hogan like a year after he debuted, uh, and they did have Hogan beat him, but they had Hogan beat him in a schmoz finish, ashes in the eyes and a roll-up and all this bullshit, and, and, and he beat uh, Hogan in their first encounter. In the case of The Fiend, his second ever televised match, that might have been his peak going into that match because the SummerSlam match was very well-received. It was new. It was different. They didn't do the bullshit lighting. Very well-received. That second match is what cut his legs out from under him. And then after that, it was kind of all downhill ever since. You can't look at The Fiend and say, oh, he was never going to have a long shelf life. He was never going to be this era's Undertaker. He could have been if they had to treat him yes. properly. And again, when you, look, when you look at the history of The Undertaker, so Taker starts out as a heel, and he's blowing through guys. The crowd starts taking to him. Remember, they cheered him when he pinned Hogan. The crowd yes. starts taking to him. Vincent Mann recognizes it. They pivot. They turn him babyface. And then at every WrestleMania, he starts going through kind of like mid-card heels over mm -hmm. a number of years. Jake Roberts on his way out. Giant Gonzalez, King Kong Bundy. I think he had a few with like Kama Mustafa. Mid-card guys until finally he's got to get in the title picture because he's beaten everybody. They fed Fiend to the Wolves his second ever match. A televised match, and then to make it worse is all the dopey finishes they did, including at Super Showdown, after he took the jackhammer and Goldberg celebrated, he popped right up. Same, same thing after he got it stomped a hundred times. Yes, yes. So and I, I watched that and I think to myself, if you were healthy enough that you're not having to sell the jackhammer, you're healthy enough to pop right up, that means you probably could have kicked out. Oh, the same reason that I hated in that gauntlet match with R-Truth where <laughs> these heels get beaten and then they immediately do their finish to him? What? Right. what? They So, Jimmy, we were talking like last September, October. We're like, oh, man, this is bad. At, at least it can't get any worse than them misbooking him in this match. And then that match happened. Then the after match happened. Then the title run happened, and it was eh. He had some good matches with Brian. They somehow did it worse than we could have possibly expected. And I agree with your Undertaker assessment. It's not easy to build a supernatural character in 2020, 2019, mm -hmm. because people just don't believe it. But what do people like? They like horror movies. Mm -hmm. Why do people get into horror movies? It's one of the cheapest genres to get into with one of the highest returns for your dollar that you invest. Very cheap to produce. Gets you a lot of money. He is a horror movie character, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And people romanticize those horror movie characters, Jimmy. Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and all this shit. They like it. And he's been that ever since the beginning. He's been the deliverance guy, for the love of God. They have screwed it up with him so many times that it is obscene. It is obscene. And when I see people say, well, at some point you got to blame... Uh, a Bray for all these script. Not really. No, y you can't for that. You can for him not going and saying, man, I ain't fucking doing that. Yeah. I but really, I, mean, I really wish that they would have more balls about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, the, the, the old timers are going to say, Oh, it's, it's, it's the tradition. It's the tradition. You got to look out for what's best for business too. Cause Vince McMahon just doesn't know it anymore. He doesn't see it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, again, when you look at the fiend, when he started out as the fiend, so they had the Balor match at SummerSlam. Very well received on all fronts. People love the they love the mask. They love the new music. They love the new lantern. They love the mandible claw as an alternate finish. Everything was very well received. Then after SummerSlam, he spends weeks on television, not having matches, nothing like that, just taking out legends. Took out Kurt Angle. He took out Jerry the King Lawler, Kane, Mick Foley. Crowd was taken to it. They were liking it. Yeah. It was really building. And then the Rollins one was the was the beginning and the end. And it really just comes down to, once again, Vincent Mann showed no patience with The Fiend. And it, and it felt like he's done so many times where The Fiend was kind of like his pet project at first, and he was really kind of behind it. Then he had no patience. Let's put our hottest act in with our champion right away. Oh, i got to protect our champion so we can't beat the champion. Then he starts going downhill, and then Vince was just like, ah, let's move on. Goldberg's going to beat him. Yeah. In, uh, you know what I mean? 
And and we've seen it so many times. And as a wrestling fan, it's very, very uh, frustrating. And when you look at WWE now going into the next decade, okay, we're 2020 now. When you look at WWE going into the next decade, they have not created one, not one legitimate main event box office star since Cena was a full-time wrestler. And Cena hasn't been a full-time wrestler now, it feels like, for almost five years. They, they've, actively, like. they've actively worked against it, Jimmy. They had three right. of them in the Shield. They had Braun Strowman. They had The Fiend. They were handed to them. Yes. You, you, could, you could argue Becky Lynch was a pretty big success story. Oh, she but, absolutely was. But until here's the, here's the thing. You, you listen or you look at Becky Lynch and Daniel Bryan, probably the two best stories of somebody just getting massively over. Why did that happen, Jimmy? It happened in response to WWE screwing up their booking. Right. It's because the fans revolted and said, man, these people deserve a lot better. Right. Uh, Rob, Rob Bokin sent a super chat and said, WWE shows have kind of sucked since XFL. Is that a coincidence? Yeah, I think it is. I think they sucked long before that. Yeah, I, 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 like I, I honestly think it's been about 20 years. It's been about two decades. Uh, and again, uh, I don't know if I still have it up, but if you go to JimmyVan.com, which was my old site, I used to write blogs when I was you know, looking to get back into writing again. And I think if you go there, I have one from 2012 is when I kind of decided I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Eight years ago, and I was bitching then about why are they booking Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler into some kind of singles or tag match seven weeks in a row? Yeah. That was eight years ago. This has been yeah. a problem going on two decades. And when you look at the fact that on Monday night, their top demo is always, you know, typically 49 plus, 50 plus. When you look at Wednesday nights, the only demo that NXT beats AEW is 50 plus. That's because the demographic that was connecting and was attracted to this brand 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when these people were in their 20s at the time, that's the audience that's now with them. They haven't connected and they haven't attracted today's audience to the brand. It is it is a wake-up call when you go to an AEW event. Oh, my right. God. Uh, here's the thing. And when I say no or way more, I'm, I'm relatively speaking, guys, don't take this literally. There's like no kids there. No kids at AEW. It's 18 to 34, 18 to 40, but really at 18 to 34. Mm-hmm. That is a demographic that WWE is missing out on. And I know a lot of people say, like make jokes about the demos, the demos. Those are important. Very important. They're very important. That's what USA and Fox's ad dollars are based on. Yeah. And it, it's very important, especially if you can retain them when they get out of the demo and then keep that demo itself. That's important, too. And you go to AEW, quite frankly, there's a lot more women. There's a lot more 18 to 34. When I, when I used to go there, I would see a lot more uh, a lot more racial diversity. I didn't see that as much in Chicago, but then again, I wasn't like, oh, let me find a bunch of racial diversity around here. But <laughs> the young people are, it's just, it's not even close. Not even close. Well, when you look at WrestleMania this year, and when you look at, say, the top five names in the marquee matches who are being relied on to sell WrestleMania, you're talking Edge, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, John Cena. You could even throw Randy Orton in there. Those are the guys that are being relied on to sell that show. What are they going to do post-mania? Because post-mania, those guys are all gone, except for Edge will be a part-timer, Orton will be around part-time. The rest of those guys are going to be gone, with the, except, with the exception of being part-timers like they have been. What are you going to do post-mania? Because and, you've killed all of your full-timers. Yeah. And the sad reality is, Randy Orton, who will be 40 by the time WrestleMania rolls around, there, I, I would buy the argument that Orton and Edge very well could and should, as of this moment, close the show because it's the hottest angle out there. It should, yes. Um, man. They're in a tough spot, man. And, and again, you know, we've talked about uh, – we've talked before about their television deals and about how right now they're, they've got – their revenue is the highest it's ever been despite the fact their popularity is on the decline because that's how sought after live content is. I don't know where things are going to be in another four years. I think 2024 is when their deals are up. I don't know where things are going to be in another four years. They might be lucky to get the kind of deal then that they're getting now because popularity – if their key demos are 50 now and they're not able to attract young demos now, what's going to happen in another four years if their key demo average is like mid-50s? WWE, and I don't want to point – I say it broadly because I don't know if there's anybody particular besides Vince McMahon – seem to have a real disdain for giving fans what they want. 
and you don't have to always give the fans what they want. And so help me God, guys, I will come to your house and fight you if you say, whoa, whoa, last WrestleMania they did. Cool. One night, one time. Neat. I And I posted this a couple weeks ago. or Yeah, and I said, do you, do you remember that promo where Triple H came out and he cut like a half work, half shoot, and he was like, oh, well, I if I don't get what I want, I'm going to riot. And then me and my friend Mark, we'll, we'll quit watching. He said, we'll go on Twitter. Yeah, we're going to go on Twitter. Yeah, we're tweet till our fingers it. bleed. That yeah, night, yeah, they yeah. did 4.5 million viewers, Jimmy. Yeah. They're doing 2.1 million now. And that ain't cable. That ain't cord cutters. That is not cord cutters. And y- you all can point to, uh, oh, my gosh, the NBA declined and all that. NBA also rose during that period. WWE did not. Over half the audience did not vanish because of cord cutting. That is not a thing that happened. It significantly dropped, sure, but even adjusted for that, the drop is significant. It's just, it's really frustrating to hear that, and I get it, they got to build heat, but it, it seems to all be in the, the search, the pursuit of the fabled casual fan, the fabled casual fan, as if every casual fan is going to step outside and go, God damn, Goldberg, I better tune in. I, I mean, that's more of, like the Laps fan, really, going using a Goldberg. Yeah. It's more like the Laps fan. But, yeah. All right, well, that's the perfect segue. Camilla, let's go to Stupid People. Stupid People is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. All right, after this, if you go to FightfulSelect.com, we got the list goes on for you. We're going to talk some MJF, Sean. <laughs> and I got some stuff to say about MJF. We're going to talk about Rowan. Boy, was that brilliant. We're going to talk about NXT's Japan plans, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, the Hardy Boys, the Elimination Chamber is on Sunday. Jesus. I guess we yeah. might as well talk about that. Uh, FightfulSelect.com. The Yo, list Romero goes on. made weight. Oh, did he? He's going to get the title shot. Good for him. He's going to get his ass whipped as well as he can get. Yeah, well, good for him. Uh, okay, this first one. Oh, this one, Sean. This is one of those ones where you just got to go, ah. Oh. It was reported by the Irish Times on February 21st. There's a man at a double in Ireland. His name is Clifton Collins. Back in 2017, he was arrested for growing cannabis, and he was given a five-year jail sentence. All right? Mm-hmm. He'd been renting a house at the time, and because he was going to be going away for his while, for a while, his landlord came in and cleared out about a bunch of his junk. You know, because maybe he thought, I, I, he's not coming back, I'm going to have to uh, get it cleaned up and rent it to somebody else. Uh, one of the things that they believe the landlord discarded was an old fishing rod. They figure that it got sent to the dump and it probably ended up getting incinerated. Um, why did that prove to be an issue for Mr. Collins that the landlord threw out his old fishing rod? Uh, would it have drugs in it on it? Something. So inside the aluminum cap of the rod had like a screw on aluminum cap inside of that. There was a piece of paper. That piece of paper contained the codes that were needed to access accounts in which 6,000 6, Bitcoin were stored. That's a lot of fucking money. With a value of over 50 million U.S. dollars. 50 million U.S. dollars. Now, there's potential good news here, depending on how people feel about you know the government. There's potential good news here, Sean. Good news is the Criminal Assets Bureau, which is the law enforcement agency in Ireland, they were able to confiscate the logins for the 12 accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they don't have the codes, they can't touch the money either. <laughs> Good. So they can see it's there. Yes. They can't touch it. They can't get to it. God damn. Over fifty million U.S. dollars. Uh, yeah, psh- I actually, I heard that gone. story. Did God, that's insane. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This next one. This is another one of these stupid, sad ones. Every now and then we get these stupid, sad ones. You know. Yeah. Reported by the UK Mirror on February 29th. So there is a uh, apparently well-known blogger out of Russia. Her name is Ekaterina Dedenko. For her 29th birthday, she threw a party at a pool complex 
and she wanted to make this a big event. She wanted a nice visual effect, you know, because she was probably going to document it on her blog, right? Yeah. So they bought 50 pounds of dry ice so they could have that nice effect for the, for the, for the uh, attendees. They uh, dumped that dry ice into the pool, you know, created that big fog like you see in the movies or whatever, and then people started jumping in. There was a problem. Do you know what the problem was? People died. I saw this one, too. People died. They choked to death and died. Well, dry ice is made out of carbon dioxide. When you add it to water, it produces a very heavy, toxic vapor. People jumping in that water suffered chemical burns. Two people died at the scene from acute carbon dioxide poisoning, and a third person died later in the hospital. That third person was the blogger's husband. Died later in the hospital. At some point, some... Somebody has to be charged for manslaughter or negligent homicide, right? Here's what makes it even more odd. This is what makes it worse. The person who put the dry ice in the pool, and I'm sure it was probably part of the company that was hired to, to, to bring it, that guy putting it in the pool before people in their bathing suits jumped in, he wore a hazard suit. We got a picture of him. You have that picture, uh, Camillo? Oh, my God. That's the guy that poured the dry ice in the pool. So the guy was wearing a hazard suit, but that wasn't enough of a clue. Look at that, Sean. That was the effect after the dry ice went in the pool. Oh, my God. That's so stupid. So that guy knew enough to put a hazard suit on, and yet people decided to dive in afterwards. Like, did he say anything? Surely he should have said, guys, this is a stupid-ass idea. I I don't tell you. Maybe maybe he – I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my God. Yeah. This last one. If you're new to this podcast, we call this the SRS file. This is when we talk about genitalia and poop, basically. The SRS file reported by the New York Post on February 28th. There is a comedy duo out of Australia. I wonder if you ever heard of these guys, Sean. Uh, their names are David Friend and Simon Morley. Nope. They perform a show at comedy festivals called Puppetry of the Penis. Sweet. What they do is what they call genital origami. Okay. They use their genitals in order to create images of things like Loch Ness. Whoa, 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 whoa. theirs. Yes, theirs. They, they shape their own genitals to create images of things like Loch Ness, the Eiffel Tower, and other things. I have a picture of their promo poster. It is completely uh, uh, not R-rated. It's fine. There is, a, uh, there is one of the uh, promo poster pictures that they put out. Never mind. Never mind. I thought this was like... Muppet penises. This is not. No, no. This no, is, this is not cool. Yes, genital origami where they, they basically perform naked and they use their own genitals to create shapes and stuff. That's what it's called. One of these, the, the members of this comedy duo, his, his name is David Friend. He has a signature trick that he calls the bulldog. And, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and what he does as part of this trick is he chooses an audience member and then he runs and jumps on their lap. Uh, as part of this this trick that he does called the Bulldog. On Wednesday, February 25th, they were performing at the Adelaide Fringe Festival in Adelaide, Australia. And as part of that, Mr. Friend wanted to do the Bulldog. So he spotted a woman in the crowd that he chose, and he went and he jumped on her lap. But there was a problem. Any idea what that problem was? What? Earlier in the day, that spectator had taken a trip to a winery Uh, And she took home with her a souvenir corkscrew. Mr. Friend landed naked on the corkscrew when he jumped on her lap uh, and severely injured his testicles. Had to take a hiatus from the show. I guess they're going to get a fill-in in the interim who's going to take his place. You think he had to take? Jesus. Yep. That's what happened. So good on them. Uh, I, it's, we're pretty much out of time, but I do want to talk about one more thing. I want to ask you, who the hell did Ricochet piss off? Fuck. I had somebody in NXT suggesting he had to have, but I don't. I haven't heard anything like that. But boy, that's rough. That's rough. So one one guy on uh, social media he said to me, "Do you think he failed a wellness policy test?" I haven't heard anything about no. that. Uh, he wouldn't be on there. Wouldn't he, be right. He, he wouldn't have. They wouldn't have put him on there like At that. All. Right. There have been some funky shit going on lately, but I don't think they would have had him on. They would have just taken him off TV. He's not so integral they had to have him on. How do you take a guy who should be this generation's Rey Mysterio? He's the most 
athletic, innovative guy on the roster. How do you take a guy like that? He had just gotten a shot at the WWE title uh, the previous week, and then he gets beat by a guy that no one gives a shit about. Matter of fact, he got Who Are You Chance and Riddick Moss, and he gets beat clean. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's another talent thrown out the window. The only thing I can think of again is it's Vince McMahon thinking, oh, but Riddick Moss was a football player. He's a man's man. You know what I mean? Like when he when like when he didn't like that Brian Danielson doesn't eat meat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know Ricochet's contract uh, situation. If it's running out, go home. It's basically my best advice because you're going to get a contract wherever the hell you want to. And uh, and if he's got time left on his contract, I don't know, man. I don't know. Sad situation. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I've been ranting about it all week. WWE has made me curse more in the last week and a half than I have in the last year and a half on the show. Yeah, it's very frustrating. They're just in a. They're they're in a bad spot creatively because the mistakes that are being made. These are going to bite you a year from now, two, three mm-hmm. years from now. Uh, no one is selling tickets. Roman Reigns isn't selling tickets. No one's selling tickets. Yeah, because and, and, the marquee. Because the marquee. Yeah. WWE is the marquee. Yep. That's all I got for you. FightfulSelect.com. Yeah. This goes on. We got, We're going to talk more stuff. We got a busy weekend, guys. This show, uh, Joe Holbert and Jeremy Lambert's distraction. Glad to have Jeremy Lambert back. He's been sick all week. But I did a Q&A on Wednesday to help preview that FightfulSelect.com service. We're very close to the 500 goal. Once we get there, I'm doing Q&As every single week. But Saturday night, UFC 240. I'm not excited for that show at all. I'm even less excited for Elimination Chamber. Then we got Monday Night Raw, but hey, you know what? I'm glad you guys are here. Leave that thumbs up, subscribe, tap that notifications bell. Join us for The List Goes On. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.